welcome to another episode of the RSL Random Fan Podcast. The podcast where Real Salt Lake fans of every age and level level of soccer knowledge and experience, and even for those that uh, didn't even play the game. I have to remind people of that. So I'm your host, Brant Goble. I'm joined by... Tyler Thomas. Mark Probert. And James Bowes. Thank you for joining us, Mark and James. And the reason we have you on is you guys are... Soccer referees. Yeah, crazy for being soccer referees, right? Before we get there, though, (laughs) let's start with Mark. Um, Mark, are you a soccer fan? Or were you a soccer fan before you started refereeing? So I started playing soccer um, in 1983 when it was still a club sport in high school. I was a baseball and basketball football kid, but at 120 pounds when I graduated high school, those sports just weren't for me. And then I found soccer. I could use my speed. I could use my agility. I had zero skills whatsoever. And then I played more soccer after high school. And that's how I met James. We played on the same men's league together for a long time and then for me i went on and coached my kids and then uh, in 2010 i repented of all the things i said to referees as a player and as a coach and i was that dad i'm telling you i was that dad that got kicked out a lot and as a player i was a yellow card magnet my legs were moving my mouth was moving i was a descent machine so in 2010 i repented and became a referee Nice. Wow. Do you have any uh, favorite clubs you follow? Yeah, um, RSL, of course. And then uh, I watch Bayern Munich in Bundesliga. Um, I like both the Manchester United and City. Um, I I kind of like there, – there's quite a few teams over in EPL that I like to watch. Um, I really like the Hotspurs as well. So um, I don't really watch uh, Mexican League all that much. Um, I don't like that brand of soccer. Sometimes I'll watch La Liga when Barcelona plays or something. I like to watch PSG, but who doesn't, right? Yeah. The big star. Big stars. So, yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same way. I I grew up playing soccer, started at probably age of five or so, as soon as we could uh, start kicking the ball around. Um, I don't know. It was eight or ten, I think I got put on to uh, West United and, and that's where Tyler and I probably first met, um, played, played comp and then played through high school, uh, served a mission and came home from a mission and continued to play soccer and then had a, uh, a horrible, uh, goalie accident uh, yeah. that nearly, nearly ended my life. That was frightening. And then, uh, and then 2015, is when uh, I I sat down with Mark. Uh, we were working at the same company, and I said, "What does it take to become a referee? I want to get back. I want to get back in the game." Remember what I said to you? <laughs> I don't remember anything. And I say this to everybody: hold out your right wrist. Put two fingers on your wrist. Do you have a pulse? You're in. <laughs> <laughs> Oftentimes, uh, as as a as an AR. Uh, I'll turn to the parents and say, when I became a certified referee, I became blind and deaf. <laughs> so you're going to have to help me with all the calls. Right. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, James was my, our keeper. 
you know, growing up and I played a lot of defense. So James yep. and I go way back and, and, you know, we were really good friends, especially in high school. And, and much like Mark, Mark, I was 120 pounds, but I was six, two. Yeah. So, there, so therefore they put me in as goalie. I couldn't run. I couldn't <laughs> dribble. You look like but a big giraffe. I, I had hand-eye coordination, and so therefore, by default, I I got the I got the bid. You were American. You hand-eye yeah. coordination. Well, what do you mean? You can't people? make a near-death uh, accident on a soccer field without maybe sharing a little yeah, bit about. James, you're gonna have to tell that story, bro. Absolutely. Uh gosh. Was Tyler? Uh, if, if Tyler would have been there, Tyler would have killed the guy, I, yeah. I'm afraid. Yeah. But uh, it it was a one-on-one uh, breakaway. Uh, the the other team's name was Grudge City, so you can imagine. Just uh, what they were. That's exactly who they were. <laughs> Hopefully they're not listening, but uh, if they are, great. We've we've got extra listeners, right? Um, no, it was, it was a one-on-one play goalie. I made my 18-yard dash that I was really good at. That's all I could do is an 18 yard dash. I came out, slid on the right, on my right hand side because I was on the ground. When he went to kick the ball, he kicked and got my uh, shin, but he kicked from up my shin, my shin guard, you know, it was on this, his kick was on the side of the shin guard. And so the shin guard did not displace the, the force and he snapped my tibia and fibia. Uh, they took me to the Altaview hospital in a fire truck yeah wait 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 though wait we got to go back how long did you sit on the field and wait well the the play continued because there was no foul (laughs) i could i could clearly see that i i had two knees so my knee and this is a podcast but my knee was bent and then middle of my shin was also bent like a knee yeah Uh, so it was very clear that my leg was broken it was in fact, the third time that that leg had broken, twice playing soccer and once skiing right after the first time it broke. Gosh. But anyway, um, they took me to the hospital in the fire truck. Uh, the ER nurse uh, looked at my wife and said, uh, we have to watch him because if his pain uh, elevates quickly, then we know that there's more problem. Well, um, they didn't do anything. They kept me overnight. Um, it was conference weekend. Um, and the on-call doctor said, keep him overnight and I'll come in Sunday and do surgery on him Sunday. Well, over the night, I ended up uh, passing the bone marrow into my bloodstream. Uh, can go two places. It can go to your heart and kill you, stop your heart because of blood clot, or it can go to your brain because you have strokes. I I got the strokes. You can ask Tyler later when I'm not on the podcast if I've changed any. Um, but I, I had several several mini strokes is what they said. Um, so they kept me Saturday overnight. Sunday, I didn't wake up. I was in a coma. And Monday comes around. They, they don't do surgery because now they can't get me to wake up. So they, they're wondering what's going on with, with the brain. Monday comes around. My mother-in-law is... Uh, visiting me and she pulls the sheet off my foot and says why is his leg or his foot gray and then they the focus went from my why I wasn't waking up back to my leg it had swelled up 
got compartment syndrome, um, fat emboli syndrome. They ended up life flighting me from Alta View to LDS Hospital, which was the Trauma One Hospital at the time. This is 2004, uh, at which time I spent a week in shock trauma ICU where roommates of mine were, were dying because you're in ICU. That's basically what you do. You don't, you don't necessarily come out of ICU. You die in ICU or miracles happen. And then, uh, um, you know, my wife tells great stories about all the doctors standing around my hospital bed and, you know, saying all the different things. Uh, they thought that they would have to amputate because I didn't have a pulse in my leg, um, but they were able to get uh, circulation back in my leg. They saved my leg. They saved my foot. Uh, I spent another week in uh, remedial uh, rehab where I learned to walk and do math and all that fun stuff again. And then I came home and I'm back at it. And you're still so they, ready. Yep. They put, a, they put a titanium rod, they hammered a titanium rod down my tibia to keep it from breaking again. Um, 10 years down the road, I, I wasn't sleeping. There was too much pain. Uh, I went to several doctors and um, witch doctors and regular doctors <laughs> to, to try and figure out why I was in so much pain and why I couldn't sleep. And finally, a doctor said, well, let's take that rod out. They took the rod out, and I've been great ever since. Awesome. Yeah, the, the nice part about that whole thing is that James still acts like he did in high school somewhat. He, he doesn't get <laughs> those memories. The high school memories, those are all still good. So he still remembers me as a really good friend, which is fantastic. Yes. <laughs> Oh, but James, and we did win. We did win that play-in game. <laughs> <laughs> the highlight of Tyler's soccer career. Hey, yeah. it was the first win in state in Hunter High history, man. It was. A big <laughs> it, it was the first game in Hunter High history. No, no, hey, we. I, I, I just we played in state. We just lost. Remember? That's true. That's I just true. did Hunter High Granger, and uh, Hunter won in overtime. It was great. Oh, nice. It was awesome. Breakaway. Yeah. yeah. Great, great goal. My was that Friday party. night's game? Uh, that was last Wednesday. That was the last oh, game. Oh, last Wednesday. I just got injured as well, so I've had to give up all my games of late. So first first time in 13 years I've had to give up a game. Crazy. Crazy. It's because it's because you were posting about all the exercise that you were getting. I saw those on Facebook, Mark. I, no, I jinxed myself. Uh -huh. I totally <laughs> jinxed myself. My wife yep. says, why do you do that? You're just going to jinx yourself. And yep. here it is. First first injury in 13 years. Well, Mark, tell us a little bit about the, the IREF stuff that you started doing and how that yeah. all came about. Cool. So um, in 2016, a friend of mine who was doing West Jordan soccer, so IREF really quickly is um, Interactive Referee Education and Fundamentals, and it's for youth referees to learn how to um, properly manage a match and understand the laws. And so my buddy at uh, West Jordan knew that I was a, a high school soccer referee. And he says, hey, can you come to our West Jordan games? We're having some terrible problems with parents um, fighting and yelling at the kids and coaches and all this kind of stuff. So I just went and did 
what I do as a referee. And he called me up and he said, what did you do to my parents? And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? He goes, they're calling me saying, how do we get that guy every single week? He's, and, and so we went and had lunch and I just told him what I do. I do things very differently as a referee in that I introduce myself to the parents. Hi parents, my name's Mark, I'm your referee today, blah, 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 blah. And I started doing this at club matches because at club matches, those parents 100% are the worst parents there are. And I was trying to figure out a way of getting them to stop dissenting or screaming and yelling at games. So I would go introduce myself to them at the beginning of games and I would ask them, do you have any questions on the laws of the game or how they're adjudicated? And when nobody said anything, I'd say, great, now you know how I'm going to ref this match, which means zip it. We want to hear from you. He didn't ask any questions. And at halftime, I would go ask both sidelines, any questions on that half? They're like, no. One person would raise their hand and say, well, how come you called this foul here, but you didn't call it down there? That's not consistent. And then we would talk about advantage and advantage in the right you know, spot in the field. So that's what I was doing and started doing that training at West Jordan. And then did that for two years with West Jordan's youth and the soccer changed. The youth would go and introduce themselves. Hi, I'm John. I'm 13 years old. I'm your referee today. And that does a couple of things. That shows the parents that I'm just a kid. My name's John and I'm 13. So don't be screaming and yelling at me. I'm just a kid, right? Dissent went way, way, way down. And so then city by city started hearing about what we were doing. And fast forward to now, we're from Logan to Cedar City, um, you know, doing these trainings. So we're trying to change the way refereeing is done in the way that we communicate on the field, the way that we communicate with the parents, players, and coaches at the very basic level. Because if we can change that at the basic level when they go up and as they grow and as they understand more in soccer, we'll have less problems because the parents will kind of understand what we're doing because Americans still don't get soccer. They just don't. Yeah. Just have somebody try to explain the offside rule and, you know, <laughs> they glaze over the greatest oh, rule in sports. Uh, What's well, an offsides like in football. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, the offside rule is the best rule in all of sport. I, I love it. It's a great equalizer. Oh, absolutely. I, I just love how it equalizes the game for you, um, everybody that plays. For sure. Because so. somebody slow can negate somebody fast if they're smart, if they play it correctly. And if you have James on your line, he's going to catch it every time. He's going to see them pull. Because James is a very, very good assistant referee. Oh, that was that was I, always good times when uh, you'd pull up as a center back and you'd look over to see the if the sideline was watching and the AR is nowhere near you. Nowhere to be found. Center back and you're looking over and you're like, no, yeah, no, you're gonna call this. Now I gotta go exactly. chase down this guy. Yeah, it was the worst. Exactly. Well, that's one of the things that I've always taught my kids is if you're a striker and you're not making eye contact with that AR and you don't know where he is or she is, meaning if it's, you know, a guy on the sideline with a walker with oxygen, 
you would better be pressing that line and cheating, right? <laughs> because if or if they're not paying attention, if it's some twelve-year-old kid over there, you know, you you better make him make a call. Yeah, if you're not if you're not cutting it close, you're not trying, right? Correct. Absolutely. That's right. So James, you mostly do assistant referee stuff, right? I do. I'm. Uh... I am not a confrontational person, uh, so therefore I don't. I'd rather not be in the middle. I can do it if I need to, uh, but I would much rather be the best AR for the center yep. and run my guts out and make the calls that are in my area and make sure that I'm on the line for that center back or that forward, you know, whichever one is going for the advantage there. Um, I want to make the right call. So I've, I've tried to focus all of my energy on knowing and understanding the AR position. So can I just tell you guys, a lot of people think that the center has the hardest job. It's not even close. Not even close to what an assistant referee has to do. Um, who do you think runs more, assistant referees or center referees? Oh, the assistant. The assistant by far because he has to go everywhere that second defender goes and he has to be right on that line to make that call on or off right i mean it's it is the most difficult of the record your, your head has to be on a swivel because Constantly. you've got to watch that line yep and know when that ball is played correct you can't be watching the ball because as soon as you look you're too, you're, late, too late because that's where that's where the fans get the offside wrong Correct. every time is because they're watching the ball Correct. then they look and they say oh he was onside or oh he was way off depending on which side they're cheering for Correct. because their head has swiveled where the AR has to keep the eye on the line and know where that ball is being played or when it's being played and yeah like the last game I, I watched you guys ref and uh James called offside on a really sweet Cypress goal, man. That that was a cool play. <laughs> Took that away. Get that stuff out of here. <laughs> no, it was a cool play. The the, yeah. the guy just like he he was offside by a good yeah, you know. Feet. But but it was yeah. a still a cool play that got negated from a good call. Yeah. I, guess. I guess. Is that where your ears come into play? Yes, honestly, it it really is. You listen for the ball to be played almost more than you see it. Because you can't, like James said, you can't turn your head to see the ball. You're listening very intently to hear when the ball's played. And then I have to rely on the center, on Mark, being the center referee, to know if there was a deflection. And then I can call it, and he, he waves that down because he knows that I'm calling the offside, but he also knows that there was a deflection. So he lets the play continue. Yeah. And... And that's when everybody screams and yells, pay attention to your AR. What's wrong with you? You got a good glass eye? Which, you know, because <laughs> so, they, they changed the law. Everybody knows that if you head the ball backwards as a defender, that's considered a pass back, right? So they changed the law, I believe it was 2017, that if a defender is an active play of the ball and it careens off them, that is now considered a pass back. And as an AR, as James was saying, his, he doesn't see that because he's not in the middle of the field, right? So it's incumbent on the, the 
the communication between the two of us, um, if we're not wearing headset, that when he pops that flag up, that I instantly wave him down and yell play on loudly or yell deflection or defender, 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 something so that the the fans understand kind of what was going on. But that's that's the hardest call in all of in all of soccer is when there's an offside. And thankfully, we have pretty good ARs um, in the high school ranks. I don't know, some of the centers are a little suspect just because they're old. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, I, under what circumstances do you guys have the, the headsets on? So I bought my own set. And so I use them all the time now. Um, because it just, the communication, I really wish that there was a way to broadcast the signal that everybody could go to AM 810 or whatever and, and listen to the conversation. It's not always soccer all the time, of course, because we're friends and we chat and how are you doing? And did you see that? And, and holy cats, I can't believe that happened. But for the most part, it's very, very professional. It's very, very, we're very in tune with one another and, and getting cues from one another. And, um, it's very cool to listen in. And I think if we could, if people could hear that, it would smash the learning curve on what we're seeing, right. especially when you hear the center referee talking to the players or talking yes. to the coach on what happened. Or um, like in my headset, I heard one coach run over to my AR and drop a whole bunch of vulgarity on my AR. And he, my, my AR at the time looked at him and said, do you see the microphone I'm wearing? <laughs> and so the coach turns and looks and sees me coming over and he knows he's going to get get the right card he's going to get a red card for what he said to my ar right and it's like guys you got to understand when you see microphones everyone can hear right so but i think it would be really interesting if people could tune into that and i know some referees don't want people to come into our secret world but i think it'd be <laughs> the greatest thing ever amen so what are some of the things that um, drive you the most crazy? Because I think what we want to try and do is get to how can we get more respect directed towards the officials and maybe if you kind of share how it all works or maybe some horror stories, things that you like, that you don't like. Um, what are some of the things you'd like for fans to know about officiating? What do you think, James? Um, you know, Mark, you were, you were saying everything spot on there with just getting that communication out. I think as a referee, the more vocal you are in talking through the call, I think most parents and most fans, they just want to know what's going on. Yeah. And I think some referees get the complex of, I'm all knowing I'm, I am the ruler of this game today <laughs> and what I say goes and yeah. it's the end of the end of the line period, the end, no discussion. Yeah. I think there needs to be more conversation. Um, what I've seen in, in great centers that I've reffed with is they're very vocal, very loud in the middle. They're very loud when they talk to the coach. They're not, they're not, you know, talking down to the coach or anything like that, but they're talking to the coach and 
explaining the call. And the thing is, is even if you second guess yourself and you got it wrong, be confident and say what you saw. And that's the call and no discussion. You can question, the coach can question whatnot. And then the referee needs to say, I hear you, I understand. I saw it this way, therefore I called it. And let's play on, let's get these kids playing. That's what they're here for. Yeah. So I even take it a little bit different instead of, I never say, here's what I saw, because you and I can see two different things. So what I say is what happened was, yeah. So when I'm talking to a coach, um, and I've got tons of stories of coaches that, and they say the dumbest things, man. It's like you're a high school coach for how many years? You're supposed to know the laws, and you still say the dumbest things, right? And I've often turned to coaches and went, how many years have you coached this game? And yet you're asking for that. So, um, yeah, I, I think if coaches more learned Law 5, and this is something James alluded to earlier, Law 5 is all about the referee. And Law 5 essentially states that the referee has all rights to make all decisions based on the framework of the laws. And he decides the match, whether a goal scored or not, whether the time is up or not, it's all on the center referee and his crew. So if more people would understand that it's in the opinion of the referee and every referee is different, that's what drives Americans crazy. When we go to an American football game, and a yellow flag flies up in the air, a man comes on the radio and goes, holding number 75, that's a 10-yard penalty, repeat second down, right? In soccer, we blow the whistle and point. There's no explanation, nothing, right? And in basketball, somebody touches you on the forearm and, you know, and then Brant calls a foul and gives you a sandwich and lets you go to the line and dribble 20 30 times then shoot a free throw we see that but like we talked earlier before we came on the air it's not a foul until the whistle blows and that's what drives americans crazy right for the record i i don't share my sandwiches i keep them <laughs> <laughs> well you're probably smart Good point. Good point. but no well, and, I, go ahead no, it's a, it's a good point because a, a lot of times we don't get the explanation. Sometimes, and now we're talking MLS a little bit, like when we get RSL, right? We see the play play out. We look yeah. down and the, we see the ref talking to some players. And most of the time, most of the time he's going like this, like, get out of here. Yeah. Leave me alone. Yeah. Like, and, and you can tell he's trying to talk or listen to somebody else. Right. And in MLS, there's, the fourth official, the assistant fourth official, the VAR, the assistant VAR, because yeah. you'd hate to have somebody out on a potty break when, you know, something <laughs> happens, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they got lots of backups in place. I remember a few years ago at the riot, we had um, the referee got subbed out, like he tripped and then like pulled up lame and they subbed him out, you know, it yeah. was like, yeah. what? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of communication that needs to go on. And I think it would even be better, I mean, if we could get that at the highest level, MLS, and then it could kind of cascade down. So here's, here's a solve that I have for that. So these aging soccer players in Europe, 
they're coming to the United States to play their last couple of years and make a whole bunch of money, right? What we need is we need the aging officials finishing their careers coming here in MLS and training our MLS guys. Because I'm just, I'm just going to speak forth right here about refereeing in the United States. It's a freaking mess. So you've got USSF that doesn't communicate very much with NFHS, that doesn't communicate very much with NOSIA, which is college, which does, I mean, there's no, you don't start in USSF and work your way to high school, then work your way to college, then work your way to pro. There's no, you know, no career, career path, career path structure yeah. in, that I know of, yeah. that I've seen. And, you know, someone might come back to me and go, dude, you're so screwed. You have no idea what you're talking about. You're an idiot. Granted. Okay. Um, but we all knew just... that first off when we became referees. <laughs> yes, We're right. all idiots. Yes. Well, you know, very true. So start, like with anything. There's just not a path, and not there's just not a clear path. Every association is independent of one another. We don't have you start at the rec level and go to club and then go to high school. You just we just don't have this really clear path. Um, so I think we need to have these guys from Europe come over and really teach us how to referee their game because we're doing it like Americans. And unfortunately, we're not going to get better as a league, MLS, in my opinion, until our refereeing gets to the level that it needs to be. I don't know, can't tell you how many games I've refereed in high school where the teams were just not playing well. And I was able to calm the teams down by match management and watch the level rise. And both teams played really, really well. This last week, I did three rivalry games. I mean, Hunter-Granger rivalry, right? Um, and that was a very chippy game to start with. And we calmed that down. And, man, did those guys play well. Both teams just played so well. And unfortunately, somebody in high school has to lose. There's no ties because of the RPI. Somebody has to win. Um, and just so happened that Hunter won that game on a really awesome over-the-top 1v1. And um, But I'll tell you, both of those teams played incredibly well. Yeah, so how, how does that work? Why why is that the, the, the route for high school soccer is that we're not going to end them in ties. We're going to play in overtime and – and, yeah. and get, a, get a winner eventually. Yeah, so high school changed their idea that it's easier to just have a winner for the RPI. And then everybody is ranked What's going RPI? into playoffs, and everybody goes to playoffs, right? So you've got one through 15, and everybody plays. So last year or two years ago, um, Harriman High was 15, and they ran the table in one state. What? And R what does RPI mean? So, Rippy? <laughs> it it's just, it's just a ranking. So, everybody, you know, everybody, you got one wins and losses. It's just basically wins and losses. And the team that has the most wins is number one. The team that has the most losses is at the bottom. But then one plays 15, kind of comes in, you know, just, just like that. But um, high school, if you get hot at the right time, you could win the whole thing. And that's what Harriman did a couple of years ago. Because um, I don't know if they had guys that were injured or ineligible or what it was, but man, they made a run and took everybody down. 
and took stage. Wow. It's crazy cool. So you talk about game management. How yeah. do you train that into your refs to be able to control the game that way? I'll use an super, example. Super good question. Uh, um, because I ref, like I said, uh, I used to ref church ball just for fun, which was <laughs> um, nuts, man. Like psychotic at best. You really fell me out, punk. Yeah, I, with that, Brent. I, I love to go down and ref the games, but what I found was that it wasn't the first call I missed, or the second call, or the third. But you start missing four, five calls because yeah. I would ref with. Uh, I wasn't a great ref, but I, I enjoyed it, and I would always ref with someone who could, was a better basketball player, but had no idea how to ref. Yes. They knew how to ref during the game, but when you asked them to ref the next game, they had no idea, you know, which end to blow on the whistle. Um, <laughs> and I would, I, would tell them, whistle. <gasps> I would just all blow your whistle and because it's not the first call, it's the fourth or fifth call you, you miss. That's when you start to lose control of a game um, and almost any sport. So how yeah. do you, how would you approach game management to improve the officiating? So James, what do you do when you're centering? I I prefer to call it a little tighter at the beginning. Yes. And and that way the kids understand what I'm going to be calling and therefore then I don't have to worry about it escalating too much. And yeah. if it does escalate, then they've already heard the call beforehand and they know exactly why I'm calling, they know exactly why I'm pulling out the yellow card. Yeah. And and the fans understand that. It, it's it's a lot cleaner that way if you you don't let those first through fourth ones go. Uh, a lot of times in new referees, and I was I was big time uh, guilty of this of just not blowing my whistle because I can argue the other person's point of view for them yep. that it's not a foul. Yeah, and so I talk myself out of blowing the whistle. And I, I had to step out of that that uh, habit of, of not making the call and get into the habit of blowing the whistle, blow it early, and blow it hard and with authority. Indeed. Indeed. So the way that I match manage is that it starts right when I walk on the pitch, when I greet the coaches and I talk to them about the game, right? Uh, about will the players be properly attired, right? We're not going to have any shenanigans today, right? And when a coach comes over and says, oh, yeah, we just played these guys, you have to watch number 10 on their team. He's really dirty. I'll say to that coach, okay, I will watch number 10 on their team. Who do I have to watch on your team who's really dirty? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> right? And they kind of smile. And I said, no, I'm not kidding. Which one of your players is the goon? Right? Tell me. Because if you're going to rat out that guy, you better tell me who's the goon on your team, right? And that tells me a couple of things about that coach, right? Number one, they're they're much a rookie in the game of soccer, right? There's always a goon. I was the goon on our team at 130 <laughs> pounds. If there was a fight to be had, Probert was in the middle of it. I was the agitator. I was that little yappy dog, remember, right? So James is pointing at me going, uh-huh. So I was that you guy. You and Tyler. Yep. 
Um, so then I'm during until the game stopped, and then I then I would laugh because Ramirez was the mouth, <laughs> and then Ramirez True. would start in with the mouth, and the the <laughs> the verbal assault would have happened to that poor kid on or, the. Or you guys would go break into Cottonwood High School before the game <laughs> and antagonize the players before we ever even got on the field. Hey, statute of limitations, man. Statute of limitations. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so match management during the game is super, super important, like James talked about. Um, James and I are of the opinion that you should be very close to the players. So with IREF, what I teach my guys is if you're close enough to talk to the players, you're close enough to make a call that parents and coaches may not agree with, but they're not going to disagree because of your proximity, right? Right. Correct. Many high school coaches are 20 yards from play. Rest. I'm 20 feet. James is 20 feet. I mean, so when we blow the whistle, the players go, whoa, I can't believe how close you are. Yeah, I'm this close, right? Players. Yeah. So um, and we're constantly talking to the players, hands down, hands down, feet down, feet down. No hold, no hold, no hold, no hold. All of this straight is up, happening all the time, all the time. So that when we blow the whistle, we say, hey, no holding, right? And we point this direction. I try and say it loud enough that coaches and even some of the fans can hear me talking to the players. And this is what smashes that learning curve down. So this is what we're teaching these kids at a very early age to tell the players what you're seeing. No hold, no hold, feet down, feet down, straight up, straight up, right? And then when they don't comply, then we call and say, hey, remember, you can't do that, whatever it was you're saying. And you do it all with a smile because young kids – can get intimidated when you stop play for them, right? Um, and one of the things that James said that's super, super important, that the worst whistle you can ever blow is one that sounds like this. Does anybody believe that you made that call and you believe in your call, right? So James is right. When you hit that whistle, bam! And you're like, hey, no holding. This way, right? Even though it sounds stern, you do it with a smile, and the players respect that. And if a player comes up and asks you, hey, what call was that? And you tell them with respect, they go, oh, okay, thanks. Right? And we have this incredible conversation. We have this incredible respect factor going on. Um, I had a coach yell across the field at me, and I yelled back at him. And he's like, well, you don't have to yell at me. I said, well, you just yelled at me. So I'm now responding to you. And well, you're, you all the way you're all the way up. <laughs> so um, I, I think we as referees, again, what, what James alluded to is so many of them have the God complex is what I call it, that I'm always right. Now, law five says you are right. So James and I could be watching the exact same play and – James would say, oh, total foul. And I'd, I, if I said, no, that's a play on, who would be right? Center. Center. The man that's in the middle. Let's say that James and I are watching the same game and we're both centers. Who would be right? The one that blew his whistle. According to Law 5, we're both right. If James chose to blow his whistle and I chose to play on, Law 5 says we're both right. That's what drives Americans crazy. <laughs> because it's in the opinion of that specific referee, right? That's what makes so it so hard. Like, so, 
Kind of like we, in the NBA when there's like three refs and whichever guy blows the whistle is the guy that called the foul. True. Right? Like that, that's was a foul because that guy called it as one. Well, and I wish I wish people would would think about this just for a moment. In American football, at a college game, how many referees are on the field? No, like eighteen. I don't know. Seven. <laughs> six. Twenty-three. I don't know. Right. Six. No right? idea. In a college soccer match, how many referees are on the field? Three. Three. Are the players' number any different? <laughs> nope. There's 22, right? So people have to understand that soccer, especially the refereeing, um, at the lower levels, not MLS or EPL where they're using VAR, it is a communication game if we're not using headsets. And we're only six eyes with 20 players that are in constant movement. Constant movement, right? And it's not 94 feet like basketball. And it's not, you know, merely 100 yards where six guys are only backpedaling. The center referee is responsible from 18 to 18 and possibly end line to end line. And the soccer field is 120 yards long to 130 yards long. So when I do, um, when I've done playoff games at Rio Tinto, that field is gargantuan, man. <laughs> it is huge. When when these high schoolers get on there and play and they kick the ball like it's going to go out of bounds, they still have another 10 yards before the ball goes out. And they're like, dude, this field is huge. I mean, it's 130 by, I think, 75. It's gargantuan, man. So when people understand the fitness level, the the decisions that have to be made within split seconds from the assistant referee on the offside to whether I'm going to call a foul or if I'm going to let it play, depending on where I am in the field, um, it's it's an amazing thing to watch a referee run the field. Now, I, I do have a question that is going to bring up a little bit of history of refereeing. Yeah. And I hope that's okay. Yeah. Because as a defender, when I was defending, my least favorite rule is, well, let's let it play on and we'll raise the flag later. You oh, know, I as know. as an older man, I was aging. I was in my late 30s. We're playing. Now, all of a sudden, we're not raising the flag. We're letting it play out. And, yeah. and then we're yeah. calling it like, yeah. what? No, what? No, no, throw yeah. the flag up. Get it. We don't want to keep running for no reason. <laughs> we, I, I, I can't speak for James, but for me, if we're not going to let the ARs call the offside, which they are super, super good at, and if you even look at the VAR, VAR stats, it's a high 90s for those offside calls, right? If we're not going to let them call, I, I, to me, it's just ludicrous that a guy is offside and we let play continue and he scores the goal, then he raises the – it's just so stupid. I just – I hate that part of – and that's that's the influence of VAR. VAR. Right? And, that's technology coming in. And in my opinion, it, they use VAR all wrong, and I'm, I'm probably going to get hate mail for this. <laughs> but VAR should only be used for a couple of things. Number one, do we have a foul in the box? And I've blown my whistle, I'm running towards, and I'm asking VAR. In the box, not in the box, okay? That's one. Number two is foul or no foul in the box. Now, one of two things has to happen here. 
If it's no foul and the player dove, he's going to get a yellow card, right? If we yeah. have a foul, then we have a PK. But the problem is we're having all, we're looking at all this. Do we have to go back and see if there was a, a foul 15 seconds prior to, it's just stupid, man. I mean, let's yeah. stick with there was a foul on the, the other original, side of the field. Correct. And played and then, out of goal. Yeah, we're just, we're becoming a, too Americanized in a game that is very, very, very traditional. We need to keep it traditional, in my opinion. Otherwise, let's just get rid of the referees and let's have the VAR call it from the booth and you'll just hear it over. You'll hear a whistle or a horn or something over the PA system. Yeah. And the voice <laughs> of God will come out and go, Number 17 fouled, number 32, direct kick going the other way. Right? Then there's, okay, <laughs> let's just take take the human element out of it completely then, right? So that's that's my here's opinion the, of VAR. Here's the other thing that, that as me as a, as a former player, I would always, like, um, have a question about. So, for example, um, collisions right just like yeah. in basketball yeah there's it's a physical game you collide yeah happens yeah. all the time you yeah. kind of have to yeah. be used to it you have to be physical it's a big part of the yeah. game yeah. um uh i always thought it was funny when i would swing and and or lunge and get the ball and then there the other player would say kick me right like after that, the collision occurred after the, kind of the ball was, yeah. was hit by either one of us. Um, and then, like, there was this weird moment where, like, you could kind of get away with clocking them, right? Like, and especially in the older game, in the <laughs> older game, yeah. you could follow through and just destroy them, right? You yeah. can't do that anymore. No. So you kind of have to ease off just enough that you still let them know you're there, but not enough to, like alert the referee to that that was too much right like there's this fine line in there yeah so how do you handle that so i because of the player that i was like you super physical um slide tackle was an art form back in in our day where you would slide in and then you would roll up on the guy and flip him right yeah, those are the best, right? Those, those, that's the old days, right? Where you'd slide in and you'd basically stand up during your slide and take the guy out, right? So, but I can you got see, ball. Uh, yeah, you got ball. Yeah, I got ball. That was it. So, oh, I, I've got something for you on, on remind me of I've, I'm the one with the ball in a second, but I can actually start to see, and James, you can probably do this now too. I can start to read players' intentions. And I can see, and I'll say to them, don't do it. Don't do it. No retaliation. Don't do it. You know, I got you. We played on. I saw it. We played on. So because we're verbal with the players, we try and keep that down. Now, if a player comes in, um, case in point, uh, this last week, I won't talk about the team or the, the players or anything, but a player comes in with a flying kick and cleats a kid in the leg. And I was the assistant referee at the time. And our center referee had only been a referee for two years. And he goes, oh, my gosh. I said, blow your whistle. Blow your whistle. So he blows his whistle. And he, he says, what do I do? And I said, that's a straight red. And he goes, okay. And he's he's fumbling. He's trying to find his red card. I'm like, which pocket? I don't remember. 
And I said, it's in your top left pocket, top left pocket. So he's going to his, he was so frustrated because he's like, I can't believe I just saw that. Right. So he gives the kid a red card. The kid knew it. Off he goes. But had he been talking to that player beforehand, slow down, no, 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 no. Slow down, slow down, slow down. Feet down, feet. He probably could have avoided that. Right. So this was during a JV match. Then during the varsity match, he heard what I do. He heard my protocols. And afterwards, I said, what questions do you have? He goes, dude, I learned so much that my communication is just not where it needs to be with the players. Right. And so there are times, and, and, and James has seen this too, where it starts to get a little too heavy. I'll even call a phantom call to slow play down, call the captains over and say, Caps, we're getting a little out of hand here. And here's what's going to happen. If it continues, I'm going to just start throwing cards. And if it gets too rough, I'll just start throwing red cards. So please slow your players down. And the captains are usually like, oh, thanks, man. And they'll turn to their team, settle down. And usually everybody does, right? Um, so it's just a matter of, of, of much communication. So back to the um, I've got the ball or I got ball. I had a player who had the ball literally dribbling the ball down. And he, the defender's right on him, and he takes him by the face and just shoves him off. By the face. <laughs> just pull him on his hand and pushes him off. I call the foul, and he goes, I have the ball. <laughs> and I said, just because you have the ball, if you had a screwdriver, could you shank everybody? <laughs> and he goes, but I can't foul. I have the ball. I'm like, how long have you played this game? This was a varsity player. Are you kidding me? And then his coach yells out, let him play. Let him play. <laughs> let him play. It's my favorite. Come on, man. Let him play. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's, it is very comical at times. Um, some of the things that coaches say, James, what have you heard from the sideline? You're always on the sideline, so you're dealing with the coaches all the time. I, I, I am literally deaf. <laughs> I, I, I don't listen to him. You just shut it off. Uh, yeah, because it's just if they have a valid question, I'll yeah I'll talk to them. But if it's just nonsense, I just turn them off. I have to turn off the fans. I and I turn off the coaches as well. Yeah, yeah. One time I was sitting on the sideline and as a coach, and I was complaining, and I was like, "Man, I don't know what this guy's doing." Da 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 da. -da. And play went moved down to the other end, and the AR came and stood next to me, and I was I was. And, this was not something I would actually yell out onto the field at this point, right? I'm talking yeah. to my assistant coach and just like, man, this guy's just missing so much or something, you know, something negative. Yeah. Yeah. And the little kid, because he was shorter than my shoulder, I didn't even <laughs> see him. And he goes, uh, coach, can you move off the line? And I'm like, stupid. <laughs> ah, and I moved back off the line. Just that, just that was like enough for me to be like, ah, I'm an idiot. I just need to be yeah. quiet. So I, I, it's it's the most common thing ever that that coaches step onto the field, and as an assistant referee, we're we're responsible for the ball being in play from one end line to the other, all the way to the other side. And these coaches step out, and we can't see, and the ball goes in or out, and they turn and look at us, and we're like, "How am I supposed to see past you, man? There's there's no way." Yeah, yeah. I think just having that presence too, like you were talking about. And, and being confident in what you call, even though 
hey, you know, that's what you see from where you are. And of course, yes. you're closer yeah. to the play than the coaches are. Then, then you know, you're making that move, you're making that run, and and uh, it's a little easier to trust when you're right on top of things and you're very strong and you know there there yeah. is confident. There confident. is a time though. There is a time though if you have made a wrong call. There, I'll give you an example. I it was a girls match. Um, I won't use the school's names, but um, we had just changed the handling rule to what's called reflex, which means if if a player brings their hands up to protect their face or their body, it's not handling. So um, ball gets played right at this girl, and she brings her hands up, and I call handling. So the ball gets placed, and I've already given the captain of this team a card earlier for descent. And that captain runs up and stops fast play. And that's a caution. She gets a red card, sends her off. So after the match, I'm talking to the other referees. And they're like, oh, I, think, I think your handling call was not right. It was reflexive. And I said, no, she played the ball with her hands. And they said, no, think about it. When she played that, she was protecting her head. And so I went home, thought all about it, called the league, and said, I want to rescind my red card because I made a mistake. I called the coach and told the coach, I'm rescinding this. That was my fault. Now, luckily, the team that captain was on, they won the match, right? So that wasn't a problem. But if there's an afterthought where you know you're wrong because you made a call and it affected the game, you need to turn it around as a referee. Now, some referees will go, oh, I've never second-guessed myself. I I found that I was wrong on that call because we had changed it to reflexive, right? So there are times when, as a referee, we need to really reflect and make sure that we're within law five, we're interpreting the law properly, and we're applying the law properly. Um, I would say 90% of the time we do a really, really good job of it, but it can really be awful when you don't. So the next time I was at that same school, I went up to that captain and, and explained to her and told her, and she goes, my coach told me about this. Thank you. Was, she said it's like the craziest thing ever that, you know, she wasn't on suspension for another game that, you know, coach explained what happened and that I had misinterpreted the handling. So um, it can happen. Um, like James said, we try not to second guess our calls. I have a thing that I teach my kids. The gods of soccer will work it out. And it's so true. Stick with your call. The gods of soccer will work it out constantly. And it happens. So moving uh, up. Well, because we watch uh, Major League Soccer and we're the Al Salt Lake centric podcast. Yep. Um, I have to agree with you. Um, I decided that uh, you know, ninety nine percent of the time, the ARs get the offsides right. It's amazing. It is how talented they are. So uh, we were talking about earlier this, this season. I, I just decided like, hey, if they got it right. If they made the call, they probably got it right. Yep. And so. Because you get it at the game, because we, we go to all the games, season tickets, and the fans around, oh, my gosh, that was offside. I'm like, I bet it wasn't. Yeah. Well, how do, how do, you, how do we educate fans 
what's going to change the mentality of games, especially on the Major League Soccer level? Yeah. Um, Get them all to take a refing course. Agreed. And then so, go out and then go out and ref. And ref. Yeah. So I ref Tyler. offers offers what's called ask the referee. <laughs> Sounds like a straight call out there. Wow. <laughs> yeah, big time. So IREF has a thing called Ask the Referee that many of the clubs require their coaches to come to. And we talk about the nine most misunderstood calls. And then we ask them, how many of you have refereed before? And very few have. And I'm like, okay, well, if you're not willing to come out and, and put a whistle in your mouth or a flag in your hand, you really don't have a whole lot of leg to stand on when you're arguing a call, right? Even if you do it at a young level, just go referee and find out how difficult it is to call an offside call. Now, you're never going to change a fan, right? The whole point of being a fan is you're there to root on your team. And part of the thing is we as Americans think it's in our Constitution, in the First Amendment, that we get to heckle umpires and referees. <laughs> And the other team's goalie. And always. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I remember being at the RSL and um, uh, Colorado Rockies when McMath was in goal. And we were chanting, um, Timmy's backup. <laughs> right? Because uh, Tim Howard was going to come in. And now we have McMath. So we're, I'm very happy to have McMath. Um, but yeah. So until people will be willing to come out and put a whistle in their mouth and a flag in their hand, that's what it's going to take really to kind of change opinions because um, it's really difficult to do what we do and to do it with a smile. Um, and if they're at a young level and they see a teenager refereeing or ARing and they have the audacity to yell at that teenager or yell at that kid, they need to have a check on on their adulthood because that's probably that kid's first job. And you don't see teenagers coming into your job and heckling you, right? So maybe that's what we need to do. We as referees need to go in and find these people that are heckling, go to their jobs, and heckle the crap out of them. Say <laughs> things like they say to me, hey, I've seen better legs in a bucket of chicken. Or, hey, your wife just called to say you're wrong again, right? I mean... So that brings up a good question. What's the best diss you've ever had? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what? That's good. That's, I'm going to use that, that one. Yeah. That's Mark. You, you got to ask Mark that one because, like I said, I, turn, I, I turn them all off. So there was one at Jordan High School, and this was quite a few years ago. And I was an assistant referee on the side where the student section was. And I was running up and down, up and down, up and down. And they were, one guy was like, dude, look at his calves and all this kind of stuff. And then I made a call that they didn't like. And one kid yelled out, are you drunk or stupid? I hope you're drunk. And when I ran back by them, I stopped just for a moment and said, just a little drunk. And kept going. <laughs> and they started howling with laughter. Now, I've got them on my side. And they're starting to send, send every creative heckle they can. Um, in fact, the one, the one, the one, what he said, your wife called. 
I, I actually stopped play during that game and went over to that student section. And I said, hey, who said the one about my wife called? And nobody, oh, everybody's eyes were huge. And nobody, I said, come on, who said it? And some kid up at the very top raised his hand. And I said, dude, that's the funniest one I have heard in years. Thanks for that. Beep, we're going this way. And now they're like, oh, all the most creative stuff they can come up with, they're throwing. So we as referees can have senses of humor, and we should, frankly. If we're not out there having fun with the players and even having fun with the parents, we shouldn't be doing it. If it's so serious, I mean, it's it's not fun for me. I don't like that kind of that kind of attitude. But um, yeah, probably the your your wife called or I are you drunk or stupid? I hope you're drunk. We're probably the best ones. Most ever. So I had, so high school is very, very strict. I had one, one dad is what, who, who's, who's the, uh, what age group <laughs> usually listens to this podcast? Can I, can I, well, ask the older podcast, so. <laughs> okay. So one dad yells out, I'm the assistant referee on the opposing team side. And this guy yells out, get off your knees, ref, you're blowing the game at a high school match, right? And so my flag goes up to stop play. Center referee looks at me and kind of puts his hands up like, what? And I'm like, yep, yep, stop play. So he stops play. And I turn and I look at this guy and I say to the coach, that guy's got to go. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I said, and I verbatim said, he said, get off your knees, ref, you're blowing the game. That's not... You know, we can't do that in high school. And the thing that's great about high school is then I saw the athletic director walking down the stands, goes over and grabs the guy and escorts him out, right? So we hear some some pretty kooky things from, from the stands, right? Because we think, again, it's our right to go to a sporting event and say whatever we want without replication. Well, guess what? Not anymore. Well, excellent. I, I like that point. Um, it's too bad they don't do that in Major League Soccer because we've heard some pretty vile things just being fans of RSL games. Sure. But going back to your point, I would love to see more people get involved in refing. Um, I, I had that experience not in soccer, uh, although we did ref when we were in West United. I loved refing the games and uh, uh, being involved that way. Um, some people are just born to be refs and other people, they just cannot. It's just like anything else, I think. Some people can really be good refs, and some people just don't get it. But to your point, I think it's really important that, you know, they call fouls but and be confident in calling fouls. Indeed. Um, going back to the coaches, using that example earlier, you know, ref and church ball games, the guys that think they know the rules are the worst refs. Agreed. So. And one thing last year in Major League Soccer, trying to get back to that, um, what, I, what I've decided and what I believe is that how people feel about the ref is directly, corresponds directly to how your team is playing. Yes. Agreed. And we, we went all through last year uh, in the podcast, and we kind of tracked it um, unscientifically. And at the <laughs> end of the game, end of the year, after all of the RSL games, we could come up with one play that had any impact, one call by a ref that had any real dramatic impact on and a I game. still remember that play 
It was when Blaylock <laughs> got cracked by Jordan Nelson, stole the ball and Chip McMath from midfield. And I was like, ah! Anyway, sorry. And, oh, there's, yeah. there's no question about it. No question about it. That people are – I've asked coaches after a match is over with, how many goals did I score for the other team? How many goals did I take away from you? Zero, right? So people are kind of nuts this way. Sorry, sorry to dominate. I'm walking across a field. I'm, I'm going from one field to another field to a game. And as I'm crossing the field, I see a guy come down out of the stands, and he comes out, and he just starts berating me that I'm the worst referee he's ever seen. I wasn't on that field. Ever seen. Ever, ever, ever. And he's just going at me, going at me, going at me. And so I coined a phrase right there. I said, sir, this is refism. Just because I'm wearing a yellow shirt, you think I was the referee on this field. And unbeknownst to him, the three referees come walking up behind him from that game. And I said, in fact, why don't you turn around and say that to the center referee from this game? And he turned around, oh, my gosh, wet himself right now he's surrounded he's got four referees around him and i'm like sir you can't just assume that because i've got on a yellow jersey i was the referee for this game especially when the referee for that game is like six four right so he's gonna go pick on the little five ten guy i know i can take the five ten guy <laughs> so i i would say that uh maybe push back a little bit. Um, I do think there needs to be improvement, but overall, I think refing in soccer in the United States is better than the officiating in some of the other major sports. Oh, overall. And I think that refing in, in major league soccer gets a really bad rap because there are some really good refs. But if you watch like NBA or college yeah. basketball. Yeah. I think the officiating in those two leagues are horrific Perfect. for different reasons. In the NBA, they don't call enough fouls. You can or at the end of the game them. you can get away with anything, anything because it's not a foul at the end of the game or that's playoff basketball and it's like why do the rules change now that it's the playoffs? Or that's and LeBron James or that was Michael Jordan or right yep. you get the star power. Right? Yeah, Shaquille O'Neal. I, I stopped watching the NBA because of a lot of it had to do with Shaquille O'Neal because they refused to call. Uh, when you're that large, they, yeah. they refused to force him to play the game within the rules. So he would just turn, plow the guy who had position, dunk it. And it wasn't an offensive foul. Yeah. And, and I was just like, you know what? I just cannot watch this because, you know, I loved refing the game was a great ref but i enjoyed that part of the game because i think it's really important um so i think refing in mls gets a bad rap because it's better than people give it credit for i can't disagree but i still think we need we need to up our game as referees in in many aspects um we can't have star power i i call the game whether and, and I can tell, and James James can see this too. You know which kid is head and shoulders above everybody else. It's just it's so easy to see. 
MLS, we know, you know, which players are the premier players. And do those guys get preferential treatment, right? We know it happens in, in EPL. We know it happens in Bundesliga, La Liga, right? You can't touch Messe. You can't touch Neymar. You can't, I mean, to a point. Um, but I think it needs to be more equal across the board that if a first-year player gets fouled or a star gets fouled, you call it, right? Um, but I think if more people understood the thirds of the field, where we play on, where we don't play on, I think that would help as well. What's an ex what will explain that for okay. us. Okay. So I've had coaches say to me, you called that one, but you didn't call that one. Be consistent, right? So what he's saying is, is, is we cut the third, we cut the field in thirds. There's the defensive third, the middle third, and the attacking third. So um, when a striker gets dispossessed of the ball by a defender, that striker's job is to go get the ball back, right? Now, if he fouls that defender in the defensive third, there's no advantage to play forward. So we call the foul immediately. When we get to the middle third, we're going to start to watch play a little bit more. When we get to the attacking third, that same foul might occur, but the defense or the offensive player may continue to go to goal, and we're going to play on. Now, I had this exact thing happen. There was a foul right in front of the 18. I yelled, play on! The ball went out. They were still on the attack. The player then shot the ball over the top. The coach yells out, I'll take the foul now. <laughs> what he goes yeah give me the foul it was right in front of the you should have stopped it right there i'm like no you're on the attack i played on you guys squandered your advantage well i want the foul it's like how long have you been part of this game man <laughs> vice versa happened in the second half to the other team i called play on there was a foul i sh for spite i thought for just a moment stop play and put the ball right there just to spite the guy. But I didn't. I was consistent. I played on. They, you know, didn't get the goal either. But so they just have to understand every referee's got their tolerance level for different parts of the game, right? So um, some guys aren't going to call anything till the second half, and then it's a knife fight. Where James and I, we have the same opinion. We're going to call it tight up front, and we're going to loosen up as the players start playing the game we want them to play, right? Then we tighten it back up again if it starts to get a little bit out of control, right? Um, but I, yes, I agree. What do, guys, what do you guys think about like the the you know the the players come together? It's kind of a kind of like what happened with Marcelo Silva or uh, Vera um, uh, in Dallas, right? Uh, the guy jumps in front. Vera's you know kind of fouls him from the back. They get up. They give each other, you know, uh, bro pushes in the chest. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, everybody kind of does this to each other. And, and then play resumes. I, I liked how the ref handled that in yeah. that game and didn't do the double yellow card. Yeah. I, I really don't like the double yellow card, especially when one person clearly has. It's clearly the instigator. Yeah. Yes, right? So, and then they do the double yellow. You get a yellow, and you get a yellow. And yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, the, ugh, so let's, let's clear something up here really quick. So the whistle blows, right? Play is stopped. 
Two players get up and they start pushing each other. Are they fouling one another? Nope. Play stopped. That wasn't for you, referee James. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Come on, you know all these answers. Okay. <laughs> so once play has stopped, there can no longer be a foul. So a foul is committed on the field of play against an opponent during the run of play. Anything after that is called misconduct. And misconduct is always a caution or an ejection, a red card, right? So when you're seeing guys line up for a corner kick, I could give a caution on almost every corner kick, right? Because guys are bumping into each other and they're jostling, all this kind of stuff. They're not fouling each other because play has not begun. So I always remind them, gentlemen, remember, you're number one in the 18. Hands down, no hold, and no jostling because I'll give you a card, right? So in that case, what the referee did was he saw these two guys kind of getting at each other, and he was right there, if you remember. He comes in really close, and he's like, boys, 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 boys. And I don't know what he was saying, but he was calming them down. He was using his words. Don't make me give you guys cautions. We don't want to do this. He was managing the match, which is fantastic. More guys need to do this, right? And I think if we could hear the conversation going on, that's what we would hear on 90% of the refereeing going on in MLS, right? Yeah, I'd probably have to beep a few words out, but you know, like For mostly sure. from the players, right? Well, sure since, Beckerman, since Beckerman's not there anymore, he's not <laughs> using the, his favorite F word, which was fun. Let's have fun. Fun you. <laughs> fun your mother. Phone home, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think they're they're managing the match with their words a lot more than with cards. Uh, I have given a double yellow in in a semifinal, um, and it was well earned by both girls. Right, um, one instigated, the other retaliated. So boom, boom, they both got yellows. Um, but yeah, I think I think they're doing a better job. And now I've done some college matches. I have such respect for those guys doing college and pro because the speed is unbelievable. Unbelievable what those guys can do. And MLS is still probably second tier to EPL or and the speed of those guys. So, yeah, it's pretty incredible what these guys can pull off. We've got a guy here who lives in Park City, Mark – I can't remember his name. Who, He's like Alan one of Chapman? my favorite referees. What? Alan Chapman? Alan Chapman. Not Mark. Alan Chapman. He has my haircut. Yeah, we have the same he haircut. He does. You guys go to the same barber. He is <laughs> he is one of the most amazing referees. And sometimes you can find him on the internet mic'd up and hear him talk with the players. He's phenomenal. Phenomenal. In fact, early on in my career, I watched one of his videos with him mic'd up and like I'm adopting everything that he does so that I have that same kind of rapport with the players. He's, he's phenomenal. And he's come and done some uh, in services for our local referees here. And, and those are just tremendous as well. So Mark James, how do, how do we, how did people get a hold of you if they want to reach out to you and, and, Bring you guys in. How do they get a hold of you? Uh, 1-800-BOWS <laughs> for for James's um, adult talk line. 
Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. You can reach me. Um, I've the, got the, handle, the handle is uh, JC Bose. Cool. Uh, you can reach me at irefthegame at Gmail. And head to my website, irefthegame.net. If anybody wants to, to you know, come and, and go through one of our clinics, they're free for the most part to the public. Um, and we'll start back up again here in July, June, July, and August for our next round to get ready for fall ball. Um, and if anybody has referee questions, they can send them to irefthegame at gmail. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for being here tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, Brent, you want to send us off with your customary sign off? Oh, yeah. I'll say uh, good night. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Peace out. That is so professional. Yeah, we.